This episode of Murder Road Trip is brought to you by Utz Pub Mix, a savory blend of crunchy snacks that will hit the spot. That's all I got. Anyways, back to Michigan. You should be really proud of me. Why? Because I had a dating app for a week straight before I deleted it. Shannon Quinn is so strong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and I matched with one person. Let's give it up for one person. Give it for the one person I matched with. And then I deleted it. So sorry about your luck. <laughs> we love you, Mark. <laughs> Happy December. I hope everyone Happy had a Quinmas. good Thanksgiving. Happy Quinmas season. Even though Quinmas is ruined this year. <laughs> Can you come after? I work on the 26th, too. What the fuck? When don't you work? Hee <laughs> hee. I have Christmas off. <laughs> <laughs> no. You used to be like, no, I'm not doing it. I refuse. You don't understand how sad Mackenzie and I are. I am, too. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Me, this can't be that, right. <laughs> you should have put that in your contract. Say, I must have off two days for Quinmas. <laughs> Them. What? <laughs> <laughs> you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so. <sighs> we'll have one less Quinn sister. Can we have a random Quinmas in like January? <laughs> sure. I'm down. Gonna have Quinalentine's Day. That would actually be really fun, I think. I we... know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from our little week hiatus that had kind of a good excuse this time. Yeah, honestly, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made that excuse up. It was simply because we just didn't record. I feel like our schedule didn't match up. Or were was it just like too I can't remember. But anyways, remember. we're back. I just know that we're trying our best over here. <laughs> we're trying our best. We're back. We're back. And we got our Spotify wrap back. And we did a lot better than what we thought. So thank you to everyone who has been listening to us the past nine months. Yeah. Is that how long it's been? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I'm like, <clears throat> actually, it's really sad. <laughs> so thank you yeah, thank you for listening and supporting us even though we're annoying and, and inconsistent we are like, don't know what we're doing half the time we keep saying we're going to do things and we don't we're sorry our new year's resolution is to actually make a calendar and actually schedule things ahead of time I think that would be really beneficial for us I think so too <laughs> And actually set out time in my day to do research instead of saying I'm going to do research, but instead I take a nap. Things are looking up, honeys. <laughs> For sure. This week, we are where, Shannon? We're in Michigan. Michigan, Michigan. Michigan. This one, I'm going to say it's kind of heavy. Um, There's can get kind of confusing so if troy has any questions please ask me <laughs> and 
And I have five pages of notes. So let's get on with it. Let's dive we... right in. Let's just get right into it. <laughs> John Collins. Um, He was born June 7th, 1947 in Canada. He's a Canadian boy. We don't like him, though, so it's okay. Um, And, of course, his childhood was rough from the very uh, start of it. His biological father abandoned the family when he was just a baby. Like, he just up and left. And his mother decided to remarry um, the first time. Um, and it, she ended up remarrying re- re- a few times after that. Both of these marriages um, were to abusive alcoholic men. One husband Aww. was so violent that he threw John at John's mom. Like he threw John at his wife. I don't really know how the throwing went because it was in the car. So I don't know if he like. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he like. I don't Dude. know. Dude. Um, and then one time he also used John as a human shield when a man came at them with a gun. Yeah. And John was like, what? He was like young. Oh, my God. Like go to young, therapy, young. babes. Before you like, get to this point, go to therapy. Like, <clears throat> get it together. So in 1951, when John was four, his mother moved the family to Detroit after she divorced her second husband. Um, this is where she would meet and marry William Collins, who was also a violent human being and loved his alcohol. Up until this point, John was brought up around violent men, especially violent to women. So one could argue that his brain was being programmed to think that this is how you treat them. Cheers. However, he was actually really popular in high school. Um, he was the captain of the football team, the baseball team starting pitcher, an honor student. So it seemed like you know, he kind of had his life together. It was going like in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was attractive too. He was smart. He was athletic, like the whole package. Like that's like every straight girl's dream right there. It's true. I, most of us, I don't know. Some people have to d- d- different dreams. Um, after he graduated high school, he attended the Eastern University of Michigan where he wanted to study education and become an elementary school teacher. Okay. That will be a little ironic once we hear what happens. Oh, okay. Story. However, by his sophomore year, his grades began to suffer and he was getting involved with like stupid petty crimes. Um, And he often just did them for fun. Like he got kicked out of his fraternity for suspectedly, suspectedly, suspect. He got kicked out of his fraternity for suspected stealing. And he was in, um, what was it? Delta. No. Theta Chi. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I know, because they're at IUV. All right, so uh, this is whenever we start get, getting into the victims and how that whole thing went down. So July 9th, 1967, Mary uh, Flezer went missing after she decided to go for a walk near the EMU campus. Was this? Where does this put him age-wise? So he was he still in college? 20. 20. Okay, okay. So, um, August the 7th, um, 1967, so the same year after Mary went missing, two teenage boys came across a naked, brutally beaten, and badly decomposed body in the Superior Township, which is about two miles from the EMU campus. Unfortunately, this was the body of Mary Flesser. Uh, She was known as Chi-Chi to those close to her, and she was just described as kind, creative, and she had a special knack for sewing. Um, she was majoring in French and, and accounting at EMU. 
And when she was found, she could only be identified by dental records because her body was that decomposed. She suffered multiple stab wounds. Uh, her hands and feet were missing. The police. Um, yeah, it's it's okay. odd. It's it's odd. The police said she was absolutely unrecognizable. The orange and white polka dot dress she was wearing when she went missing was found in a trash bag near the body. Um. So and then something. Obvious, like they trans, the coroner came and they got her body and they put it. They like tra- transferred it to um the funeral home, and while at the funeral home, um the workers there said that an unidentified man stopped by and asked if he could take pictures of the body. For what? <laughs> I don't know, but the funeral home home was like, no, like get out of here bye <laughs> probably like that's just that, what like that's so disrespectful first of all yeah like what are you doing yeah but he could never be identified so we don't know really, we still don't know who who, who that is but whatever. a year later in july so 1968 joan shell was last seen hitchhiking on the emu campus she got into a red and black pontiac with three other young white males and the driver was suggested to be around 20 years old with clean-cut, sided dark hair. Her roommate reported her missing the next day when she didn't return home. And she also didn't hear from, from, from her, so she knew something was up. Yeah. Unfortunately, a week later, her body was discovered by construction workers working near Ann Arbor. Um, that's also near the EMU campus. Um, it's in, like, within a 50-mile ra- radius. She had been sexually assaulted, stabbed five times, her throat slashed, puncture wounds to her lungs, liver, and carotid artery, and her blue mini skirt was also tied around her throat. She was 20 years old. The police um, also suspected that her body had been moved prior to the location. It was found due to the the level of decomposition and due to the fact that there was no blood pooling under the body. So... They thought since it was the summertime, if she had been out there for, what was that, a week? Yeah. You know, it would, there would be signs of decomposition. And yeah. they said that um, there were, there it, it wasn't really, and there was also no blood found under the body. So the, it, there was no pulling, which means that she did not die there. Um. So both of the first two victims were were found with similar injuries, uh, both reported by both reported missing by their roommates, and they were four miles apart from one another. So the police did think there may be a connection there, but they also didn't think it was a serial killer at the at this time. Uh, two months after Shell's murder, two people did go to the police and state that they saw her walking with a young man the night she disappeared, and this man was John Collins. Of course, he did not deny this, stating that he never knew Shell and that he wasn't even around that weekend. He was visiting his m- mother and did not get back to campus until July 1st. Of course. The police were like, okay, that's a solid alibi. And they let him go. Uh, March 20th, 1969, 23-year-old Jane Mixer mysteriously disappeared after she posted a note on a local college bulletin board asking for a ride to her hometown of Mus- <sighs> Muskegon. Muskegon. 
Muskegon, Muskegon, damn it, hold on. <laughs> How do you, can Siri pronounce things to, to me? Yes. Siri. How do you pronounce M-U-S-K-E-G-O-N? Are you going to say it to me? <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say Muskegon. I'm sorry. I, it might be wrong. I don't know, but C-Siri is not helping me. Um, so she had just gotten engaged and she planned to move to New York city with her fiance. Unfortunately, Aww. she was never able to tell her family the happy news. Um, her That's body so was sad. found fully clothed, covered by her ring coat on top of a grave in Denton cemetery. She had also been shot twice in the head. So that oh is different God. than the other two victims. Yeah. Um, but she had been shot in the head twice garroted with a nylon sock that was not hers um and the coroner determined that the time of death was approximately 3 a.m the prior evening once again proving that the body was moved from the original spot of where she was killed that's so weird yeah four days after the discovery of her body another body was discovered behind an abandoned house on Earhart road which uh, was a few hundred yards from where the body of Joan Shell was found months prior. The body was naked, lying on top of a blue jacket. The victim died from blunt force trauma due to the fractures that covered one-third of her skull and face. She was beaten extensively, had numerous welts and bruises all over her body, and some of them looked like some sort of strap was used to hold her down. Mm -hmm. um, she had, like, a mark across her stomach, like so something yeah. was, like, Ugh. strapped just something um and the police did oh it, 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 hold on yeah tie her um there was also a tree branch that had been inserted into her um genital area oh my god um however the police did believe that she fought very hard to get away from who this was um because the soil near her body was all torn up and there was blood spatter um, unfortunately, you know, uh, but this victim was, she was 16 year old high school student, Marilyn. Skelton. Oh my gosh. She did disappeared while hitchhiking two days before her body was found. Um, for some reason, the police tied her murder to the others, but they also thought it could have been a, a drug deal gone wrong since Marilyn apparently was using drugs due to a quote, undergoing a personality change and she became more distant and she had hippie friends is what her parents said <laughs> thanks mom and dad yeah <clears throat> um they did end up tying her to the others murders uh due to the similarities in the wounds and that they were all found 15 miles away in a 15 mile ra radius um and each woman except mixer had knife wounds to the neck each had oh been found gosh. with some sort of clothing tied around their neck, and each woman had been on her period. So very weird similarities that wouldn't. Yeah. Like you, yeah. So very weird 
very weird things happening. Um, the evening of April 15th, 1969, Don Bassam was on her way home after spending some time at a friend's house. They li- they lived less than a, a mile apart. And just for like reference, because I know it's weird to us now, back then they would just walk to like ev- everywhere. Right. Like walking to friends' houses was super common. Hitchhiking was super common. Like no one locked their doors. Very different from now. Um, for some of the ways, she was joined by her friend Earl. Uh, so Don and Earl parted ways when she was about five blocks from her home. She was on a desolate road. She was last seen walking along the railroad tracks heading towards her home. 6.30 a.m. The next morning, her body was found beside the road. She was oh, found God. in a white blouse and bra, which had been pushed up around her neck. She was stabbed in the chest and genitals, along with wounds to her stomach, breasts, and backside. She was then strangled by an electric wire wire that was still tied around her neck when she was found. There was also a cloth uh, stuffed in her mouth, and police suspected it was to silence her from making any noise. She was 13 years old. Dude. What? That, okay. Yeah. So uh, that she was found about 100 yards from the road. And wait, no, just back up, back up. Sorry, I was wrong. About 100 yards from the road, there was an old farmhouse. Um, In this farmhouse, they found Dawn's orange sweater glass particles that are very similar to the ones found on the bottom of her shoes. Article, articles of torn clothing, human blood stains, and the same electrical cord. Articles of clo- clothing belonging to Marilyn Skelton were also found there. Of course, after discovering this, the farmhouse somehow went up in flames. Miraculously. Someone, someone just decided to set it on fire or somehow it just caught on fire. And five lilacs were found lined up on the driveway, one to replicate each victim. So they think this person is going back to the crime and they're probably some sort of narcissist that likes to look at their work type deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two months later, June 9th, three teenage boys stumble across the partially nude body of a woman in a field close to another abandoned farmhouse. She had been stabbed, two of which pierced her heart. She was shot in the head and her neck was cut through to her spine. She had also been raped. This was 21-year-old student Alice Colomb, who disappeared after midnight June 8th when she was last seen walking home to her apartment after enjoying an evening at a friend's party. So at this point, she and Mixer were the only two women to be shot. So there's like different... Hold on, Klaus is definitely eating another shoe. Now there's a hole on my big toe. So guess who needs to get new duck boots? What is his damage? <laughs> I don't want to talk about Troy. He's a special one. <laughs> um, okay. The college town obviously became more cautious and on edge, especially the young women who attended the university or who just lived in the general vicinity. No one was really hitchhiking anymore. Women began buying knives. Um, they got into the buddy system um, and they just started really going out only if they needed to. 
especially since the police did say it could be a university student committing the murders. Um, Over 1,000 sex offenders were investigated and eliminated. Tips were flying in from everywhere. Most of them were unhelpful because people just want their two seconds of fame. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Um, the police were conducting various inter- interviews, but due to the fact that there was little physical evidence, they were just kind of hoping something would show up in, in right, a miraculous right. way. Because there was no, they had no evidence, and DNA wasn't really a thing back then. So, it's one of those, like, toughies. Um, they even brought a psychic named Herkos, who stated the murderer was, quote, a strongly built white male under 25 years old had been born outside the United States and rode a motorcycle. Um, the same psychic also led the police to the exact locations where the bodies were found. And he began giving details of the murders to investigators that had not been released. And then he also said the killer would strike one last time. That's kind of creepy. Spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Karen Beanman was reported missing by her roommate when she did not return back to their their dorm after curfew. Her roommate said that the last time they talked to her, she said she was going to down. Oh, my Lord. Her roommate said that the last time they talked to her, she said she was going to go downtown to a wig shop um, and she was not seen the rest of that day. Three days after she disappeared, her body was found face down and naked in a um, little ditch alongside a parkway she had been beaten with a blunt instrument to her head numerous time parts of her body had been burned by some acidic substance there was a section of cloth in her throat as well and she had been raped but this time there was dna left behind they did find uh sea semen on the body um the police then went to the wig store to ask the workers if they saw anything And they did say that there was a young man with dark hair wearing a striped sweater waiting on a blue motorcycle outside of the store. Oddly enough, Karen stated before she left, quote, I've got to either be the bravest or dumbest girl alive because I just accepted a ride from that guy. That's what she said before she left. Um, After word got out about what this guy looks like and the motorcycle... A police officer noticed that there were strong similarities between that man and John Collins, who Collins, Jesus, <laughs> John Collins, who was previously interviewed but dismissed. The d- officer asked him where he was on the afternoon of July 23rd, and he said he was riding his m- motorcycle around. Um, he talked to a former girlfriend, and they're like, Oh, you have a formal girlfriend? Okay, we're going to go talk to her. And the girlfriend provided pictures of John. Uh, Police brought those pictures back to the wig shop. And they said, is this the dude you saw? And the girls were like, yep, sure is. So John already had a reputation um, of committing the petty theft stuff. Some people said he was really polite to women, while others said he had a temper and he was known to engage in sexual violence. One woman came forward and stated that she was raped. Um, Other women came came forward and said he was just sexually aggressive. And one woman did state that they were 
getting intimate and she was like, I'm on my period. And he said, ew, that's disgusting. So this so man was literally just out causing disgusting chaos, even if it wasn't involved in murder. <clears throat> even, yeah, at this point, you know, we don't but know. He was he just. He could just be an awful scumbag of a human. So, Klaus? Uh, yeah, so the officers also had a theory that whoever this person was that was committing these crimes kept going back to the crime scene or they would go back to where they dumped the body or they would just move the body. So the police came up with this plan and I've never heard of a plan like this. <laughs> okay. In all my years of watching true crime. So the police get a mannequin from JC Penney's they put it where Karen's body was found. They did a stakeout. And they waited for the perpetrator to come back. So Honestly, they just... It, like, it makes sense. They just walked into JCPenney and they were like, hi, we're the police. We need a mannequin. <laughs> Can we please borrow one of your female mannequins? Can we have a mannequin, please? And you know what? If I was working there, I'd been like, yeah. Yeah, sure. We have <laughs> take extra. This, take this bitch out front. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they got Anyways. this mannequin. And they're like staking this out. These officers are staking out for about four hours one night, and suddenly one officer sees a person running away from the mannequin. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, basically, like, they might have, like, went down to, like, touch the body, and they're like, well, shit, that's a mannequin. That is not a dead body. <laughs> this ain't her. <laughs> Shrine. This is something that's oh not. Oh, God. So he immediately, like, reaches for his radio. And, of course, the radio starts malfunctioning. So by the time he gets his radio working, this guy has ran off. They have no idea who, who he is. Um, But obviously, John was their number one suspect because right. the girls recognized him. And he was the last person. He was the last person that Karen was seen with before she went missing and was mur murdered. So the police go to John's apartment and they start questioning him about where he was during like the disappearance, where he was during the murder. John claimed he had no idea who Karen was. Um, he wasn't around during any of those murders. Um, so of course he's just denying everything left and right. However, when Karen went missing, John was actually staying at his uncle David's house and his uncle was a state police sergeant, by the way. Oh my, oh so my let's God. Just, okay. Let's just geez yeah so let's just bask on that for a sec second so um and his uncle was away on vacation and he had someone to like take care of their dog and just like watch the house and he's like yeah you can stay here while we're gone it's not a big deal so his poor uncle like gets back Thank from gosh. vacation and the police basically inform him that his nephew is a number one suspect of murder um of course David, the uncle, doesn't believe them. He's like, no way. Like, my nephew would never do something like this. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like, you know, when I got home, I did notice a bottle of ammonia, a bottle of laundry 
a box of laundry detergent and a black spray paint can were missing. Um, and there's also numerous weird paint marks in my basement. But I just let it go, you know? But, you know, it could have been. It could have been John. It could have been literally anything. It could have been literally anything. (laughs) So the police keep telling David about, like, all this circumstantial evidence that they have against his nephew. And David, I guess, eventually does get curious. And he's like, well, I wonder what's under that paint. So he starts chipping away. I wonder what's under that paint. He starts chipping away at at this paint. And the next thing he knows... He's like, well, shit. That is blood underneath that paint. (laughs) So he immediately goes to the police and he's like, okay, you got me. I scratched up paint and there's blood on my basement floor and I wasn't home. So I don't know what's happening. Um, And he tells the police uh, about that. And then they obviously go back to his house and they start looking in the basement more blood is found on the floor they find hair clippings behind the washer which end up matching hair particles found on karen's underwear and the blood type was also proven positive in the basement so the same blood type that found on the basement floor was also karen's blood type so not looking great for john so john still protested his innocence he's like i didn't do it i have no idea who karen was um, but once the police said, well, we found the same blood type on the floor and hairs that match hers in the basement that you were staying in, John apparently just starts crying. Oh, my God. He just starts crying. But then he, you know, composes himself and he goes back to, no, I didn't do it. I don't know who she is, blah, blah, Okay. Well, they end up arresting him uh, for the murder Ooh. of Karen <laughs> Beanman Be- since... Um, and like, since that's the only victim they can for sure tie him to, they have yeah. to try him in court for that murder because oh there's gosh. nothing else that really like ties him to the other ones. Um, eyewitnesses claim that they saw Collins, um, quote, hurriedly remove a laundry box containing women's clothing and jewelry from his apartment and place this box in the trunk of his car two days prior to his arrest. Oh um, and they also said that, quote, I also saw him cleaning out his car, end quote. Another witness said that she saw him leaving his uncles with a laundry basket covered with a blanket on either July 24th or 25th. So things just started pile- piling up against John. The, the defense did its best to say, you know, this is all circumstantial. There is no hard group proof that he committed this crime. Um, but the jury didn't really care. And after the three days of deliberation, he was convicted of the murder of just Karen Beanman and he got life in prison with no possibility of parole. Woof. We don't know if he actually did the other mur- murders. He never admitted to okay. it, but it's okay. suspected that he did because of the similarities between like they were like all in their period. Um, they all had stab wounds. They all were sexually assaulted. Uh, you know, Except for the girl, the two two girls who who were shot, and then, uh, Jane Mixer was not killed by John. They did find the DNA, um, oh. and as as it advanced, they reopened that case, um, and he she was killed by a man named Gary Leiterman. So was this just a random other guy? Were they connected yeah. at all, or did they just happen to happen at the same time? 
they just happen just happen at the same same. same oh my time. gosh. Yeah. So that is the story of the co-ed killer, as they call him. And I don't know. I mean, I think he might have done guys. the rest of them, except maybe the two gunshot ones. I don't know. That's like. Yeah, since it was so different. Other than that, though, I don't know. He was just a gross dude any, anyway. He was just a gross dude. So that's Questions, disgusting. Comments, concerns. Um, no, just like what the fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like every other episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like crazy to me that people used to hitchhike. Like that's just like insane to me. It's no, right? That just means people used to not be terrible. <laughs> or they or were weird. terrible and we just didn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's true. And scarier kind of. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I get like scared of like runners on the street. Like they 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 they, they like don't even look scary. They're just like jogging. They're literally like, just, just having like some being fun. a normal yeah. person. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I also have this weird thing about seeing like plastic bat like big trash bags on the side of the road. I like automatically assume like there's a dead person inside. No. <laughs> I don't. You wanna know what my most listened to song was? Yes. All too ultimate version. <laughs> Mine was I Burned LA Down by Noah Cyrus. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> then my second one was, no, wait, my first one was The One by her. And I'm like, I barely listened to that song oh. this year. Then it was all, all too well, 10, 10, 10 minute version. Then it was I Bet You Think About Me. <laughs> I think, I bet you think about oh, me. In the, her fake country accent that suddenly reappears. My favorite, my favorite, like country accent in that song is whenever she's like, "There's a girl in your bed with a fine pedigree, and I bet your friends tell you she's better than me." Better than me. <laughs> I like die. <laughs> now it's time for silly crimes at Troy, the portion of the show when Troy will tell some silly rhymes. All right, so this is from mlive.com. <laughs> Yeah. Top 10 odd, weird, and ridiculous Genesee County area crime stories from 2012. Number 10. A cross-dressing male prostitute allegedly stabbed another prostitute in the hand over $20 that was supposed to be used to buy crack cocaine. <laughs> nice. I like I, I like it. I like it. An officer was on South Dort Highway at 2.38 a.m. and saw two known prostitutes fighting on the corner. A woman told police the man stabbed her in the hand with a knife after she took $20 from him to buy crack cocaine and then kept the money. She had a cut to the left hand and refused medical treatment, the report said. The male prostitute dropped his purse when he fled. I love that. I love how, and I bet he like dramatically dropped it too. You know what I mean? Oh, probably. Period. <laughs> or like he threw it. No, yeah. Like he, I hope he did. All I'm picturing <laughs> is Michael Bibillic throwing a purse <laughs> and then running away in heels. <laughs> period. 
Number nine, a 22-year-old Flint man tried to paddle his way to freedom when he fled in a canoe from police. (laughs) 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 Police. Police were responding to a stolen car complaint, and when police approached the man, he took off running. The next time police saw him, he was in Kearsley Lake, paddling away in a canoe. Police showed they can be resourceful too, but they opted the smarter route. They got a motorboat from a neighbor. Police quickly caught up to him. Oh, it was a motorboat. No, the, what'd you say? It was a motorboat, right? The police were in the motorboat, but the man, <laughs> the man was in a self-sustaining canoe. <laughs> Just the fact, could you imagine that? Like driving by and all of a sudden you see like this man in a canoe and he's like really going at it. And then you see like this police boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, things I wish I could see. A 19-year-old North Branch resident learned the hard way not to shop at a store he had broken into earlier that day. I love smart people. (laughs) Lapeer, Lapeer, Lapeer County Sheriff's deputies responded to an alarm at the Whistle Party Store in North Branch around 2 (laughs) a.m. Yes. Um, On May 30th, authorities reviewed the store's surveillance video and witnessed a person wearing a mask enter the store and steal liquor and cigarettes from behind the counter. Honestly, I respect the hustle. (laughs) I like it. Later that morning, authorities say a frequent customer entered the store to make a purchase. An employee noticed that the customer fit the physical description and was wearing similar clothing to the early morning intruder. The suspect was arrested. The suspect. The suspect. The suspect. (laughs) The suspect was arrested and police recovered some of the stolen goods. Where'd the rest of them go? I don't know. He probably smoked some cigs, took a few shots. I mean, why not? I would too if I was going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you stole it and you're like, well, you don't need it now. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Number six. This one's like kind of sad, but like it's like what the heck is going on here but also sad my favorite um thieves struck a devastating blow to a thetford township family when they made off with the cremated remains of the family's twin babies who died at birth <laughs> i'm sorry i know it's not funny i just didn't know what else to do that was no, not what like, i was expecting i was expecting no, like right. like the cremated like remains of the grandma or something yeah i, I was no. not expecting no, I literally did the same thing. I was like, wait, what? I wish it told us, like, what? Like, I wish there was more info. Like, why? Or did he why, just, like, was he just, like, taking grab, everything like, in sight? the first sight? thing he saw? And he was, like, I don't know, man. he was, like, that must be valuable. I I don't know. Freaking weird. People are weirdos. Um, Angie Gooch said she arrived home from work March 20th to find a front window broken. Her son's laptop computer was missing from the inside, and so were urns containing the ashes of her two babies who died at birth in 2007. Oh, my God. I know. Like, um, Gooch said she's hoping that whoever has the urns will return them. Like, that's so sad. Return the urns. You don't need those. If you're listening, return the urns. Like, you really don't need those. 
I don't know what you thought you needed them for, but you don't need them. So give them back. Give them back. (laughs) Flint police reported that a thief entered a north side store, showed a gun, and made off with a new pair of pink boots on February 28th. Were they duck boots? Did Klaus eat them? (laughs) Probably. Um, A store employee told the police... That she confronted the man around 11.15 as he walked out of the store on Pearson Road near King Avenue with the pink women's boots. She told police the man showed a gun and said, quote, I'm a gangster, as he left. <laughs> the man was seen entering a home on Pearson Road where a woman was waiting at the front door, according to the police report. Police went to the home and found the boots in a bedroom, according to the police report. I like my hair part was obviously the gangster part <laughs> give me the boots i'm a gangster i mean i would be sold i'd be like period and here <laughs> safe travels home have fun with those new boots yeah like sit like period like they're yours that one's too long All right, let's just go to number one. Perfect. Genesee, Genesee, I don't know, man. Circuit what? Judge Archie L. Genesee, G-E-N-E-S-E-E. Yeah, sure. It sounds like ten- Tennessee, Genesee. Yeah, that's what Genesee. I was thinking. One to two. Genesee Circuit Judge Archie L. Heyman said attorney Anthony Lubkin acted like a, quote, smart aleck for comments Lubkin allegedly made at Tom Z's original Coney Island, where jurors in a murder trial had been taken for lunch April 12th. Heyman's law clerk, Brian McMillan, claimed he heard Lubkin say, quote, guilty at the Coney Island where McMillan and another law clerk had escorted 14 jurors for lunch. Lubkin said he never directed any comments at the restaurant towards jurors. Either way, the comment landed Lubkin 30 days in the Genesee County Jail. Oh he my God. is appealing the case. <laughs> jurors, stop being like this. <laughs> well, that was fun. Yeah. I made some silly crimes again. I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster. Give me those boots. Alrighty. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for tagging along to good old Michigan. 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 Sounds <laughs> like Celine de Dion <laughs> with that little accent. Anyway. Night, Marjorie. <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> Wherever you are, I believe. I don't know the words. Oh, you don't? Not those Have you parts. Never watched Titanic. I've seen Titanic. I just don't. I don't know that little part of the song. Oh well, you should. Oh my god, Great we can, song. let's watch it right now. We have like the three-part VHS set. I mean, it's on Netflix if you actually want to start it. That, uh, yeah. I'm not kidding. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy for that. I'm not going to lie. Whatever. It's so long. I said you want to start it. 
God. <laughs> Just like how we started the Vampire Diaries and never finished it, and now it's off Netflix. <laughs> Is it watch. actually off now? Wait, I think it's on Hulu, though. It's on Peacock. <sighs> I don't know. Like, literally, why? <laughs> I don't know. It might be on Hulu, actually. Oh, wait, you know what? I saw that Shit's Creek was off Netflix and on Hulu. That's what it was. The audacity of these people. It's true because I went to watch it was it's like one of my comfort shows and I went to watch it one day and I was like, um, what we do you mean titles related to Shit's Creek? <laughs> different comfort shows. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that different. I mean, like you like to watch about like gruesome murders and I like to watch Fun gays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Very, very similar. Basically the same. <sighs> okay, so Alrighty. we digress. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Join us next week, as usual, on Sunday for another thrilling episode of Murder Road Trip. Find us everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We hope you we made it onto your Spotify wrapped little thingy <laughs> this year. Yeah, really. Like Kenzie. I... Kenzie, I can and, always and if count we on did, Kenzie. Period. And if we I did, know it's probably on like Hannah's too. <laughs> um, if we did make it on again, thank you for your support. Um, me and Shannon love doing this and acting a fool, so we really we do actually really do enjoy lesson. it. We yeah. just our work lives are kind of yeah. We, we really need to write a schedule. We tragically have I think that would full-time solve jobs. <laughs> a lot of our problems if we actually wrote out a schedule. Maybe. I think it would help me. I think I also need to go to therapy first, but I um <laughs> a schedule I mean, is a good start. Yeah, I think a schedule would like <laughs> that's like the like precursor to like therapy. You know what I mean? You're getting organized. Stops, yeah. You're getting your thoughts organized, so then you can go t- tell your therapist exactly what. What's going on? What's what's so what's going on? <laughs> so what's going? Let on? Let me tell you, Rhonda. Um, <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> oh, but anyway, find us anywhere that you listen to your podcasts: Spotify, Anchor, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, yada yada yada. Send Shannon. I'm, your I, I give spooky. Up. I give story. up at this point. <laughs> I give up. I give up. <laughs> Send Shannon your spooky stories or literally anything. We will take absolutely anything that I you will have to take send us. Bad date stories. I will take funny date yeah. stories. I will take any kind of story. The most point. embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you in any context. <laughs> but you can send those to murderrt at gmail.com and you can find us on instagram at murder road trip pod come find us interact with us follow us be our friends like send us funny gifts save download apparently if you download our episodes it does a lot more than just listening to them i don't know yeah download the episodes then you can listen even if you don't have internet yeah, if you're on a plane. Great. Yeah, if you're on a plane, if you're traveling, if you're hiking in the middle of the woods on a date with and your you... future serial killer and you just really need to be listening to a podcast right now, we've got you covered. <laughs> got you covered, girly. 
Okay, you guys have a lovely evening, day, whatever. It's evening here, so I'm going with it. All right. All right. <laughs> Anyways, bye. Bye. <laughs>